0: You can change the world to meet your values when you are in government. You can't when you're in opposition. Getting into government has to be the first and sole purpose of any political party. I was there in the 1980s when the hard left held a dominant position in the Labour party, when Labour had 80, 19 years of continuous opposition. And I learned the hard way, really, that extreme left politics just didn't connect to the voters. But I was also there in 1997 and through the years of the Blair Brown governments when I saw what impact one could have when we controlled the leaders of power. I am virtually the last Jewish woman Labour MP left standing. We don't learn the lessons of why we have lost the 2019 election if we allow the heir to Corbyn to be Rebecca Long-Bailey.
1: Did you stand up at any point and call it out?
2: I did, but was that enough? No, it wasn't.
0: The idea that we will ever get a Labour government, certainly in my lifetime, will disappear
2: I mean, if I had a majority of 80, Margaret. I know. Just think, <laughs> just, like, just even just one thing, you'd be like giddy,
3: like a child in a sweet shop. The last four years, we have to be honest with people. It's been a fucking disaster for the Labour Party.
0: The last thing I want is more, more <laughs> Corbyn. You exactly. said last time you wanted to win, yeah, yeah, didn't exactly. you? <laughs> I've known Corbyn since 82. If there's one thing he really believes in, it's all that massive world view, which is hostile to NATO, hostile to the states, leads to the anti-semitism.
1: Rebecca, we're going to take a minute once um, Adrian's finished. I didn't break rank and tell people what's going in the Shadow Cabinet on this or anything else, because I don't think you should.
0: Yeah. I've considered my position in the Labour Party over the last few years, to be honest. I put myself forward for, frankly, the worst job in the world,
2: <laughs> which is being leader of the Labour Party when we're in opposition.
0: For me, I'm going for Jess Phillips. When I've seen the others against her, a lot of those sort of traditional politicians.
2: We need someone who can stand opposite Boris Johnson and wear his government in his face.
0: The Labour leadership race is narrowing from five to four.
2: This time, that person isn't me.
0: Oh uh, So yeah. Jess
2: was due to come and speak at the event? Yeah. But she's yeah. gone back to Birmingham, yeah. so she can't. Anymore.
0: Yeah. We've sent her some flowers. What could have been? I know. Mm. Oh, goodness. Uh, that is really hard. I mean, I watched Jess's video and it's really moving and I wanted to cry uh, when I watched that for, I think, what the Labour Party's lost. But I'm a sort of... Yeah, I'm an old, old fighter. That's the real truth. So I'm going to carry on fighting. And I just want to see what there are candidates, there's three of them really, that I'm looking at. Who can fill the void that Jess's departure um, has created? Uh, when I've seen the others against a lot of them are sort of traditional politicians, men in suits quite often. He's triangulating like mad. Somebody said to me, I don't mind what he does as long as he wins, beats Rebecca Long Bailey. And I thought, you know, Tony never did that. Tony was completely straight, completely honest. You know, it's a different way of doing your politics. So is Keir lying to get the job and will he then change? That's what this person was saying to me as a way of promoting Keir. I mean, that's sort of, I know. So that's sort of in a way, then think, right, Goodness. who's not got their feet built on? Those people who chose to join Momentum, I think probably a lot of left now, are young idealists who, for whom at the time Corbyn was a message of hope. They are the ones who don't like the politics, don't like the anti Semitism, and don't like the anti Europeanism. You're starting to see this in who's nominating Keir Starmer. You know, momentum is cracking up. It's sort of, you know, the old trots will all go for Rebecca, as will the out-of-date, fat-bellied, beer-bellied trade union barons. I don't know, where's Owen? Is Owen pro-European? Probably he is, actually. I am cross because he's 40 minutes late, you know. Everybody's busy and you just, uh, you know, if you're busy people, meet busy people. Don't piss him off for being late. Anyway, we are where we are. Gone. why do I talk to him? Because Owen is a uh, Corbyn supporter and also he's been a pretty constant critic of the Blair Brown years, actually of Labour in power and in government. And I want to challenge him a little bit on that too. You are very late. I have been in the Labour Party for a very long time. Longer than I've been I'm, alive. I, indeed. So I remember the eighties, which, you know, were very uncomfortable where you used to go along to Labour Party meetings and if you dare to put up your hand in something you believed in, so all you were doing was following your values, which may have been different. There was intolerance of it. People would shout abuse at you. I had bricks thrown at me during discussions on cuts in local government. I did. I've had death threats. I've had it all my life. And I got it from the left then. The Labour Party then went through, under the Blair-Brown years, which you like to dismiss. I don't dismiss. That's not true. OK. Cheap. But well, The Labour Party I member, went through... I was a Labour member
1: under, under Blair-Brown. Well, I'm so. really... So
0: it went through a really tolerant period when you could get up and you could dissent within the party. That wasn't my
1: experience at the time, by the way. It was experience oh, really? for the victors, but...
0: No, anyone to the left... You wouldn't have been shouted at. If
1: trot. All the time. Oh, used no. as a catch-all term for anyone vaguely on the left. Well, all the time. Okay,
0: That was not my experience. There was a much more open discourse. You That's go not back... Because you were, on the that winning, you were on the
1: winning side.
0: No, of course you no, didn't get it.
1: You, just... you you, you'd won. Your side won, and the left fell
0: ostracised and well, can I just say? left-right really irritates me. Really irritate. It does irritate me because you know here you are. There's a left I, and a right I, flank I, of the Labour Party. That's just, I, I just on the, Yeah, but I don't understand what it means because I think your definition of left, which is around you know big state nationalisation, democratic, thinking, democratic. No, commission. it was. You're joking. No, I'm not joking. I mean, joking. I've just been through reselection, Owen. Okay, right. in my party, the whole triggering of that process was by the few to defeat the will of the many. So all this stuff about we're fantastic democratic. The Labour Party now is the most intolerant, centralised Bullying—it's a terrible thing. Okay, I, 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 I
1: obviously strongly disagree with that, and I don't—I <laughs> don't think democracy is bullying. You won your selection. It isn't democracy. You won your—you won your selection fair and square because the many voted for you. But, but the fact
0: I... I went into it I, in the run-up is completely crazy. It distracted me from what I should have been doing, because it was obvious we were going to get a general election, and I should have been out there in the community reconnecting with my voters. Can I ask
1: this, I think, a really important... Because here we are. We are from different wings of the Labour family. Let's just put it that way. But it's interesting we're having this argument, or discussion, or whatever you want to call it, when actually, if we're honest and humble, neither of our brands of politics have any easy answers at the moment. And the reason I say that is you will talk about the 90s, Blair and Brown and so on, A period before the financial crash, a period of rising living standards. There was a financial bubble at the time, which seemed to be generating ever rising living standards. The problem is at the moment, there is a general crisis of social democracy. And there is nowhere either of us can point to on a map and say, aha, here's where my brand of politics is truly truly flourishing because Clinton was defeated by Trump.
0: We're agreeing on this. But and that's I, why I look
1: at this mess now. I mean, what's the answer to that? I don't well, have one.
0: I don't have one either, but I mean, that I, I agree with you about the challenge. I think it's really tough. I think it's really, really tough how you build on the eternal values, which I hope you and I do agree about. And challenges which I think lead to massive insecurity. So the changing world of work and artificial intelligence. Climate crisis. And climate crisis. All those are really tough challenges the left but But, but that i would love to talk about in fact
1: on that that's what i'd be fascinated to hear because i think even some more perceptive thinkers on your flank of the labour party (laughs)
0: don't call me a flag i can't call you from the right because you get even angry about that
1: is is that that wing was politically and intellectually exhausted it was in 2015. what i would say is the challenge facing anyone who does become leader is huge with a culture war which has opened up in british society which Brexit both kind of encouraged, but also reflected. And that has wreaked havoc in Labour's electoral coalition. And I don't think anyone from whatever wing of the Labour Party has an easy answer to how they bring younger people from who are economically insecure and have very strong progressive values, which they think are under attack with older people who rightly have had their triple lock pensions protected, home ownership's gone up and they feel quite socially conservative. And how Labour wins some of those over and keeps their younger voters is, is a real challenge, and I think we have to all of us be humble about discussing.
0: Do you know? How I totally agree do. with that analysis, and I just hope that there can be a civilised, non-blaming debate about what are really, really tough issues. The, these are probably the toughest philosophical political issues mm-hmm. that I have confronted in my very long political life. Hi, Foyser, it's Margaret Hodge. Listen, I'm ringing you about next Thursday when we've got the meeting to do the uh, nomination for leader. I mean, this is really important, getting the right leader, you know, if we want to bring the party back to sensible Labour politics, you know. OK, thanks so, so much and see you on Thursday. Bye, bye. Well, I don't know where Saima is. But no, I'm just going to go and try and find her. Are you good? Because otherwise it's going to be chaos. We're going to be here forever otherwise, Cameron.
3: So I really believe that the Corbyn Project, the, the Socialist Manifesto, the return to true Labour values, uh, has actually been a, a really good success. Would you like some
0: No, thank you very much indeed. The last thing I want is more, more Corbyn. <laughs> more Corbyn. More, more, yeah. You should be thinking about it too. I think the design. Yeah, well, you said last time you wanted to win, didn't you? <laughs> Are you a member of the Labour Party? Are you? <laughs> Shall we just count them up now and close it? Um, fingers crossed. 15,
3: 16,
0: 27, 28. Too short of the required number to get 50%, which means so we Emily. The candidate and we go on, so eliminated. The result is Keir Starman is number one, so he won. So. Yay. The continuity candidate uh, didn't get anywhere tonight. And, you know, I've always said, whether you know, there are arguments for Lisa and for Kia, I would have marginally gone for Lisa, but I'm absolutely delighted that um, we've got sensible candidates, sensible candidates through from this constituency. I don't
3: think you can just sort of say, oh, well, let's assume Corbynism's gone, because the party is... I think the party has changed, fundamentally. You you can see this in the leadership election going on now. None of them can quite bring themselves to say that Corbynism was a disaster. Jeremy's this sort of sainted figure.
0: I mean, I agree with you about that. I so agree with you, because there's a a central dishonesty in the non-Corbyn candidates, you know. And if you compare that to Kinnock, Kinnock, when he fought for the leadership of the Labour Party in the Mm. 80s, came from the left, but he was completely honest about the sort of reform that had to be undertaken.
3: I mean, Neil was very good at kind of political management, but I I, I had a very interesting uh, exchange with Keir when he launched his leadership video. Mm. And it was, you know, minor strike and poll Mm. tax. And I sent him a message saying, I'm really pleased that I gave most of my adult life to trying to help the Labour Party into power three terms in office, so that a future leader could launch his campaign where the only mentions of that period of mm. Labour in office mm. were the Iraq war and cutting asylum seekers' mm. benefits. And it's just playing into that Corbyn Easter agenda. Mm. So he then sent me a message back. He said, yeah, well, I'm doing this new thing now where I'm saying we shouldn't trash the last four years and we shouldn't trash the last Labour government. Like, they're equal. Mm. The last four years, I get why he can't say it, but we have to be honest with people, it's, mm. a, it's been a fucking disaster mm. for the mm. Labour Party. Mm. Mm. The, le- the elections alone mm. are a disaster. Mm. I think too much of our politics is about saying, oh this is what people want to hear, let's say that to them and play it back to them. So but when you did a bit of that in the 80s. You did a bit you of did it. A bit of, you did a bit. The message can be simple, but it's got to be underpinned by something that is real. Real policy, real stuff, real choice, real decision. If you look at our last election, Corbyn or Johnson, the country was repelled by the choice, but in the end realised, well, we have to make a choice. We have to choose one of them. One of them's going to be Prime Minister. Who's it going to be? But go beyond that. So we get a charismatic leader. I feel more confident than you
0: do that we're going to get a change of leader and that will try and pull us back. Well, we are. I, There's definitely going to be a change well, of leader. Well, it's not going to be Rebecca Long-Bailey, is right. I, okay? it's my view. Well, and if maybe it is if we...
3: Rebecca Long-Bailey, I think that's the end. I agree. I think agree. we might as well go
0: home. Some of the values that now inform people's voting decisions are really hard for us to tackle. So let's assume we've got a charismatic leader who can connect to people. How are they going to tackle the issues of immigration, which is which is really tough, which we had to think about. Mm-hmm. We didn't do. We didn't really get to the bottom of. And how are they going to tackle tax and spend mm-hmm. in an environment where people don't want that. How can I create a more equal society out of this brief that I've now mm. been given?
3: This is why I think it goes beyond what Corbynism, it goes beyond who actually becomes the leader. You know, look, I can't stand Johnson on many, many levels, but one of the reasons he won is that he gave a, a kind of, albeit riddled with lies and all that, he gave a sense of kind of optimism to yeah, people. and hope. So I would say, take all of those issues that you mentioned, climate change being the biggest. I think a leader who came out now and was truthful about the consequences of climate change and really led on them and really fought on them gives themselves a fighting chance. The other thing that's changed, I think, the left-right arguments are less straightforward than they were. Well, I
0: hate this term, left-right. I mean, I'm But being... we're
3: trapped in it. Don't underestimate the impact of Trump in framing the debate right around the world. The the whole kind of nationalist, populist yeah. language yeah. that is it's easier to articulate, it's yeah. easier to get people to resonate with. So, but the way you frame a debate is to decide that is the debate I'm going to frame. Now at the moment, I feel that the, it's being framed within this very historical
0: analysis of the Labour Party. Pretty much, yeah. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that fills me with hope is the leader we elect now is unlikely ever to become Prime Minister given the mountain we have to climb back uh, to. I don't it.
3: think you should say that. You I don't think we know, should say that? Of, I, you look, think it's
0: so volatile that we could yeah, bring it back?
3: Yeah, I think things are so volatile, things move so quickly. Well, I think some of the most... Familiar that, is, that will definitely be the case if the leader that the doesn't. Labour Party elect plays safe.
0: So if I were leader tomorrow, what hmm. would I do to create something true to my lasting values, relevant today, that gets me a majority? Okay,
3: well neither you and I would be elected because I think we would both start from a position of saying, we have to be absolutely honest about how we've got to this position. And we have to be absolutely honest about the challenges we face to get back. So I would build it on understanding and accepting that the right the nationalist populist right is going to be very difficult to beat. And then saying they will not be beaten by aping them. they won't be beaten by meeting them halfway. They have to be beaten by a bigger, better, bolder, more optimistic vision about what Britain can be. This idea that you know it's all going to be about getting the right northerner as a response to the North, Just putting a bloody old Etonian in power. They won the referendum, they won the election, they have a lot more power than they did. Now the difference I think between when I was with Tony and Cummings now with Johnson, I never really had an agenda of my own. I had things that I agreed with and things that I disagreed with but I kind of I didn't see my position as being there for my agenda.
0: Go on, you're back in the Labour Party. You've got a vote, Alistair. How would you use it for the leadership?
3: Well, I'm not back in the Labour Party. Yeah, but assume. Uh, <laughs> I think probably Keir. Um, probably Keir.
0: And do you think he can turn it round? In I don't know.
3: Years? I really don't know. Because I think it's... I think a lot of these top jobs in politics, I don't think you really know until they get to them.
0: My fear is that the only way he can turn it round is by doing something
3: different from what he's telling us he's going to do now. Well, I think the short answer is I don't think any of us know yet whether they've got it in them.
0: I've taken over the chair of the uh, parliamentary chair of the Jewish Labour movement, really, because everybody else has done it has gone. scary, but it's true. And there are very, very few Jews now on the Labour side in Parliament. I'm probably the only one who's willing to put my head above the parapet around my Jewish identity. And also it's symbolic of what the Labour Party ought to be all about. How we're we going to build that confidence quickly. It was really uncomfortable for me during the election going out and trying to persuade Jewish people to vote Labour. Oh my God, there's gonna be absolutely loads of people, aren't there? 700 Jews come in all different shapes and sizes. Uh-huh. It's a joke, but I'm the only one fucking left. Are they not going to come in? No, they're just going right. to start. But right. I was going to ask some questions. Yeah. That that we're right. going to bring them on.
1: We're going to bring them all on together. It's fine, but we we need to begin now, otherwise
0: we're going to. Okay. You've been winner. Uh, thanks, Mike, and thanks for giving me the, the opportunity to say a few words because I am virtually the last Jewish woman Labour MP left standing.
1: Rebecca, we're going to take you in once um, Adrian's finished.
0: If you look at after the war and before to the mid-70s, most Jewish MPs were Labour MPs because being in the Labour Party was the natural home for Jews. Sadly, we're not in that position today. I hope the candidates, I was hoping they'd be in when I said all this, but they're not. So maybe some of you can ask them the questions afterwards. I think for all of us, I felt it. The last four years for me have been the most miserable, challenging and lonely years in my nearly 60 years of membership of the Labour Party. And I know that that's what every Jew sitting here tonight feels too. The history of the last four years is being rapidly rewritten by those who are seeking our support. And my commitment to you is I will not cease fighting until we are clear that we have eradicated anti-Semitism from the soul of our great (laughs) Labour Party.
1: I know all of these individuals extremely well and they're all thoroughly nice, thoroughly decent people and they're doing a very tough job and we have to treat them with respect because you know we're just bloody lucky to have people in this country prepared to put their necks on the chopping block uh, for our (laughs) welfare. Becky, did you stand up at any point and call it out?
2: I did, but was that enough? No, it wasn't.
0: And what I I did was, I did speak in shadow cabinet about this a few times. I believe that you speak out and you speak up in private and you try and get something done, but if you can't get something done and it's still wrong, then you leave and you speak out and you speak up and you make sure that something is done. I know, I just sat there thinking, I've got to shut up, i must not say anything. This was the big fight for the heart and soul of the Labour Party. If a Corbyn follower succeeds Corbyn, then I think the position for Jews in the Labour Party long term is completely untenable. Hi, Jess. I have. Hi. I'm just, just finishing finish a bit. <laughs> you are a breath of fresh air. And that's why I'm sure you've got a great future in the Labour Party. But for me, that's why I wanted you as the leader, that you were authentic, you told it as it is, uh, that you were brave and that you really, really could connect with ordinary people. And for me, in all the battles I've I've done through my life, maybe the battle against the BNP, I understood from that, the absolute importance of being both honest, Mm. but really listening, acting and connecting. And that's why you're so important to the labour movement and will be in the future. (laughs) Uh, Well,
2: (laughs) the idea of standing up regardless of the struggle regardless of how difficult something is that sort of courage and that sort of bravery it has felt sometimes as if that has just no longer been part of the battle it was that we had to you know agree with the crowd regardless of what the crowd felt
0: yeah tell you the other thing I really feel strongly is in the anti-semitism fight oh gosh yeah you know it was the women
2: Oh, it was totally. And it then is I always will never forget women. you
0: just after Luciana Berger mm. had decided to leave the Labour Party. And you rushed over to sit, sit behind, behind her. her yeah. So you showed some solidarity with her. It's always been the women. It is. And then you demonstrated in that very clear way that even though she felt forced out, she was still your sister. Of
2: course, she will. Labour women standing shoulder to shoulder is the reason that I, no matter how hard, things get within the Labour Party, the reason I cannot walk away is because my life was genuinely changed by the fact that loads of Labour women yeah. came in here in 1997. They never ever forgot to remember me, people like me in the community. Sure never, exactly, your sure start, your tax sure. credits, your childcare. Yeah. I will never ever be able to pay back the debt of the fact that my children have a more secure life than they would have had they been born under a Tory government. And so the idea that has been presented to us for the past four or five years, mm. whether it's over antisemitism, whether it's over women yeah, within the Labour movement, whether it's over sexual harassment, it'd been like, you're disloyal for struggling. And I'm like, no, I'm here to help the mm. Labour Party. I didn't do it mm. for me. I mm. did it because I believe mm. that it's the right thing for our and movement. And actually,
0: I joined the Labour Party because, because it was a struggle fight, to fight, yeah. fight. How do you think you square the circle between you know the traditional Mm working-class support that we used to have Mm -hmm. and we want to get back and the more middle-class liberal support that comes out of uh, the city.
2: It's absolutely not my experience of working-class communities in the Midlands and the North that they all hate immigrants or that they all hate feminists. feminists the labour party being the party of the self-interest of the masses has been lost because we stopped being able to say the word self of my nan and granddad my great-grandfather was one of the people who set up the independent labor party in birmingham and it wasn't because he was had big ideas about the way that the world should be it was because he lived in a slum and he didn't want to live in a slum anymore He had self-interest, and my nan and granddad's politics was about moving out of the slum and getting a decent wage. It was self-interested. It wasn't so that everybody has enough. It was for them and their families to be able to do all right. And then their children, the baby boomers, my parents, they had enough to care about everybody having enough and then it became an ideological movement yeah. rather than a self-interested one. But there's absolutely no reason why you cannot square ideologically wanting everybody to have enough with the idea that you and your family feel like you haven't got enough and need it. Those two things, my nan and my mom, they were cut from the same cloth, they were the same, exactly the same sort of person. They both would have voted Labour until they died And it was rooted in something completely separate for both of them. That is the coalition. I think we think it's a harder job than it is to make people in Bassett Law feel the same way as people in Brighton. They essentially do feel the same. I feel like there should now be an opportunity to look up to the country a little bit more, to look up from the script. I don't feel that there's any sense that world leaders are getting together to deal with the pandemic.
0: I don't quite know how he's gonna rise to that
2: i think that the connecting with the country is vitally important now i think that he will inevitably get a bounce also i hate i hate this because it is got so much sort of horrible sexist connotations he looks the part doesn't he and so yeah, the but country, i hate that yeah a number
0: of people who said to I, me, I hate it too I, it's the number of people who've said to me you've got to vote for kia because just think if Boris implodes, you'd trust Keir opposite you. Why wouldn't you
2: trust but, a woman? Well, well, quite, <laughs> absolutely. But he's got good hair, hasn't he? I mean, he has got good hair. My he's dad is always hair. like, lovely hair. He's, he's ticked that box, but that is a tiny box of connecting with the public.
0: I mean, I think we can all understand that the candidates have got to build a majority within the party, yeah. right? But oh, once that election is over, they've got to turn to the public yeah and they've got to be bold and that means not sticking to what's happened in the last five years it means breaking from that yeah and the last 20
2: years you have to think of the future except
0: i agree with that but the thing that really really pisses me off is slagging off the last line
2: why would you slag off your record in office when the government's degrading it all brilliantly by itself in the face of a boris johnson government who remember he's got a majority of 80 and is he doing anything with it I mean if i had a majority of 80 margaret i know just think just (laughs) just even just one thing you'd be like right okay we're going to end child poverty we're going to sort the social care crisis you would just be like i'd be like giddy like a child in a sweet shop
0: so jess it may have been a bit too early this Mm. time or it may have been the wrong time but i want you to stand again for the labor party leadership you've got to promise me you're going to have a go at it i mean
2: i promise (laughs) you that i will have a go but regardless I promise you that I will always try and make sure that I have the biggest role that I can have in making the Labour Party the best it can be. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you.
0: I did say to people before the election, hang on in there, because the battle after the election will be the most important battle in the life of the Labour Party. I now think that the way in which the next leader chooses to use that position will be the most important.